0: For Finland, uh, the neutrality was always a pragmatic choice, uh, especially during the Cold War. Still, Russia is a big neighbor and it's a very unpredictable neighbor. And um, I think what happened uh, with the invasion of of Ukraine has has shown that uh, that kind of unpredictability is really, really difficult to to live with as, as Russia's neighbor.
1: Hey, welcome back to the Modern War Institute podcast. I'm John Ambo, Editorial Director at MWI, and this episode features a conversation about a subject very much in the news right now. The decisions by the governments of Sweden and Finland to apply to join NATO. For both countries, this step marks a major departure from long-standing policies of non-alignment. But what will it actually mean for these countries' defense capabilities and for NATO? What about interoperability? What does it look like from a nuclear deterrence perspective and from the standpoint of conventional forces? And while Russia's invasion of Ukraine obviously triggered these decisions, why now? There are a ton of interesting and really important questions to unpack, and to do so I'm joined on this episode by Rasmus Hindren. He is the Head of International Relations at the European Center of Excellence for Countering Hybrid Threats and a Senior Non-Resident Fellow at the Atlantic Council. He also has some really relevant experience working on defense policy in his home country of Finland. It is a great opportunity to hear a perspective from one of the two likely future NATO members. Before we get to it though, just a couple quick notes. First, if you aren't following MWI on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. And second, as always, what you hear in this episode are the views of the participants and don't represent those of West Point, the Army, or any other agency of the U.S. government, nor in this case, do they reflect the views of the Hybrid Center of Excellence or the Atlantic Council. All right, here's my conversation with Rasmus Hindren. Rasmus, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Modern War Institute podcast.
0: Thanks. Nice to be here.
1: So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the subject that we're going to talk about today. I trust that listeners will, uh, will find it of interest, too, because it is, you know, it's very pertinent, very, very relevant and very current. And that is the, um, the, uh, the news out of Sweden and Finland uh, and, and the initial moves that both countries have made toward joining uh, the NATO military alliance. Uh, I'm going to give listeners kind of a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. I normally, uh, ask guests to try to avoid references to certain events, um, things that are sort of audio timestamps because, uh, it can be confusing when, you know, we record an episode and then don't publish it for a couple of weeks, but I don't think there's any way to avoid it in this case because it is a rapidly evolving and dynamic situation. Um, so I will note that we're recording on Monday, May 16th in the evening. Uh, the episode will go out in a couple of days, I think on the 18th this Wednesday uh, having noted that i wonder if you can kind of begin by giving sort of a uh the state of play uh where do we sit right now in this process uh both with uh, finland which is a country that you know very well obviously mm. and uh and with sweden uh,
0: sure john i i think it's actually very good that you added the caveat because that just sort of shows how rapidly this this process is yeah. is happening is is taking place so so indeed, uh, where we are at the moment is that Finland, Finland's government and the president decided yesterday to apply for uh, NATO membership for Finland, and today uh, on Monday uh, the Swedish government has has decided to do the same. So there are still and there's still an ongoing discussion in the Finnish Parliament, uh, sort of to to have the full debate and then to to sort of close that domestic process. But at this point, it's certainly clear that both countries will apply for NATO
1: membership. So I think there's a a pretty important point that I want to make early on uh, in our conversation. We talk a lot about Finnish neutrality or Finnish non-alignment, also in the case of Sweden. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that no relationship with NATO exists. I was listening to another podcast, uh, in which I heard uh, each of Sweden and Finland's military relationships with NATO described, sort of as if they've been um, cohabitating for years without actually getting married. Which I thought was an interesting and 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 kind of a useful analogy. You have worked in policy both at the Ministry of Defense and and Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Finland. Based on your experiences, I wonder if you can sort of share your perspective on what that relationship has looked like, say over the past couple of decades.
0: Yeah, I think it's actually useful to to go a little bit back and and start from uh, from the nineties when Finland um, joined the the partnership for peace, which was the the first steps in this in in this uh, path. Uh, and starting from the nineties, Finland has been steadily uh, building its interoperability with NATO and the political dialogue with nato structures and uh, the mutual trust that is required uh, also for for closer cooperation but not just in nato context but also bilaterally with with countries and and within regional formations and and also within the eu so it has really been a a long term process uh, where finland has been deepening its its cooperation now more recently uh, there have been new elements added to it there's the enhanced uh, opportunities partnership uh, and then there's this uh, what we call modalities for strengthened interaction which has enabled um, increased uh, um, increased uh, intelligence and and a better access to to nato uh, deliberating bodies so, so all that has been uh, useful and all that has been part of the, the longer-term process in, in getting closer uh, relationship with NATO. And in that sense, this, this latest decision to, to actually apply for for becoming a, a, an ally is, is only the, the last uh, more or less natural step in that process.
1: You know, in Sweden, um, politics has been largely, uh, not exclusively, but largely dominated by the Social Democrats uh, for decades. And within that context, there's been sort of, um, I want to say, maybe an ideological opposition to the idea of joining NATO in Finland. And correct me if I'm wrong, uh, my sense is that it's a, it's a bit more pragmatic. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, I think that's a very good description indeed uh, for Finland The neutrality was always a pragmatic choice, uh, especially during the Cold War. Uh, Finland had to uh, aspire for neutrality because of its position uh, between the, um, well, I wouldn't say between the blocks, but because Finland definitely wanted to be part of the the West, uh, but still in a a difficult position where it had to to emphasize its neutrality. So, um, in that sense, uh, it was rather easy for Finland to move past uh, the idea of neutrality in the 90s and and I think the major step uh, in that process was uh, when finland joined the european union in 1995 that was the end of neutrality and for for sweden uh, there's definitely a, a longer historical uh, process behind it uh, it has been part of swedish identity since the last 200 years or so so while Sweden joined the European Union at the same time as Finland and effectively also got rid of neutrality the kind of thinking uh, and some remnants of of that ideology have, have still been part of uh, the Swedish discourse until very recently
1: and so specifically in the case of Finland you know it, it, it sounds like there's been um, you know at least kind of the the broad contours of an ongoing discussion over the past Really, quarter of a century um, that has, up until this point, kind of leaned toward you no. Know, let's not join NATO uh, right now, at least. Has that discussion been taking place at kind of the? Is that a policy discussion taking place, kind of at the elite level of the of of policymakers, or is it a societal conversation? Is there you know an element of public sentiment that factors in?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, historically speaking. The, the whole discussion about nato has not always been about the the real issues but sometimes it's been a more of a proxy discussion for other things you know whether it's something to do with the us or or something else so it has been hard to sort of gauge the the real sentiments uh, b- behind it but certainly the popular uh, opinion wasn't very much in favor uh, of nato until very recently and that has been the major driving factor in, in the latest uh, political decisions. So the, the radical shift in, in the public opinion. So um, I would say that, um, that that has actually been a little bit um, a special case. Uh, Finland hasn't had that kind of uh, policy change based on, on the changes in public opinion uh, before, before this. So it's been very uh, interesting also to, to follow.
1: So then, what has changed? Uh, I mean the obvious answer to that is well Russia invaded Ukraine, but you know I, I recently heard us. Secretary of Defense uh, Lloyd Austin. Speaking about the the prospect of, of Russia invading another country, and his answer was essentially with what, uh, meaning look at how bogged down uh, Russian forces are in Ukraine. They don't necessarily have the resources or the capability to engage in further military adventurism right now. If that's the case, and Finland doesn't necessarily, f- you know, perceive itself to be under immediate threat, uh, what what has changed?
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, there is no feeling in finland of being under any kind of imminent threat from from the russian side at least not a military threat but uh, still russia is a big neighbor and it's a very unpredictable neighbor and um, i think what happened uh, with the invasion of of ukraine has has shown that uh, that kind of unpredictability is really really difficult to to live with as as russia's neighbor and um, so so that's that has changed and uh, there is no feeling in Finland of people being af- afraid as such, but uh, but people feel that right now would be a good time to to go that a little bit extra to go that extra mile and to look for some extra deterrent and also including the nuclear deterrent that would come with the with NATO membership. So I think it, that has been the the major uh, driver here.
1: We've seen what I think is is quite predictable saber rattling, really out of out of Moscow in response to uh, these moves by Sweden and Finland. Uh, given the unpredictability uh, of Russia that you just that you just mentioned, uh, presumably you know how Russia might respond is also something that has been factored into these conversations. Yeah,
0: yeah I think it has been factored in. Definitely, there's this uh, understanding that just because of Russia's nature as a um, as a big power and its sense of pride, uh, they might feel compelled to to do something to to punish uh, Finland and, and Sweden in a way. But um, but how that would look like, it's hard to hard to say at this point. Certainly, we have already seen uh, cyber attacks and uh, information influencing. Uh, we have seen some um, airspace violations and and uh, some a little bit um, worrying re- rhetoric, but um, what else might happen, it's it's difficult to say at this point. But I think the important thing is that uh, it looks like Russia is not going to try to to stop Finland and Sweden from becoming members, but they might just do something to, to, to punish them from, for doing that.
1: You know, it strikes me um, if you look at the the sort of post Cold War history of the various Eastern European states that either share a border with or are very close to uh, Russia. You know how how they've perceived that proximity, whether or not it constitutes a threat, and and then look at kind of the different trajectories, slightly different trajectories that those states have taken. The Baltics were obviously quite assertive in expressing their desire to join NATO. Uh, Ukraine has certainly expressed that desire uh, more recently very strongly. Finland maintained you know, uh, sort of adherence to this policy of non-alignment, institutional non-alignment in terms of not joining NATO. Were there times during, uh, you know, since the 90s that we've come, that Finland has come close uh, to joining the alliance?
0: So the Finnish policy has been based on on the sort of two main main pillars and, and when it comes to Russia. And the first one is having a really strong, uh, credible national defense which is based on, on the conscription system and, and some high-end capabilities. Obviously, it's not national in the sense that it's only about Finland, but I mean, we are also cooperating with the neighboring countries, with the US and, and within the European Union and so on. But still, uh, the, the, it's, it's mostly based on, on national capabilities. But then the other pillar has been this um, uh, bilateral relationship with Russia, where we had tried to sustain dialogue uh, we have tried to find some areas of cooperation, even if lately that's, that had become already uh, much more difficult. And it was mostly about agreeing to disagree o- on issues. But still, there was this um, idea and assumption that it's, it's possible to have a co- somewhat constructive relationship. But now with, uh, with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, uh, it became clear. At the latest, at that point, it became clear that there's just no point in, in, in having that kind of a, a relationship, because you cannot trust the other side, and, and basically, they have made themselves a paria in the international uh, relations, uh, more broadly speaking. So um, so that uh, pillar was was no longer there. Uh, The defense pillar is still there, but uh, considering the the circumstances and the way that um, we need to have this uh, interoperability and cooperation with our partners anyway, so it would make more sense to to do that in a a NATO framework, which then means that we could have joint planning, uh, joint command structures and and, uh, as a whole make it easier than to defend the country.
1: You know these decisions uh, in Helsinki and and Stockholm have obviously been uh, taken by the governments in their country's own interests. Uh, so if we if we kind of look at it from the perspective of Finland's national interests, and if you know if we go beyond the kind of obvious answer of Article Five and collective defense, although I'm sure that's a big part of it. You know what are the expectations in terms of how joining NATO will, you know, specifically bolster Finland's national interests and particularly its national defense interests.
0: So, first of all, it helps to consider our region as a as a whole, uh, the Baltic Sea region, but also the Arctic region, and of course Europe Europe as a whole. Uh, so uh, it's no longer about Finland doing something uh, alone in, in its own own bubble, but trying to combine the Finnish uh, approaches and Finnish capabilities as well with those of our neighboring countries. So that uh, that brings an, an added value to to the defense of of Northern Europe. Obviously, then it's the the joint planning um, process uh, which makes it clear that we're we're part of the the overall planning. Um, but then as I alluded to earlier, uh, it's also about the extra deterrent. So there is the the extra conventional deterrent that comes from knowing and understanding that it's the full might of the alliance uh, behind uh, Finland, but also what Finland has been lacking until now, and that is the nuclear deterrent. So adding also that extra layer to, to the deterrents.
1: Is that something that Finnish policymakers are generally comfortable with? Um, you know, in, in Sweden, obviously, Sweden has a, a longstanding position on you know issues like nuclear nonproliferation. And of course, I don't think anybody reasonably expects Sweden to be required to host nuclear weapons. Uh, the majority of, of NATO member states do not. Uh, but is that something that is featured very prominently in the conversations in Finland about NATO membership, the, what it means in terms of nuclear weapons?
0: Well that's a great question and I think there are still good long discussions to be had about the the implications of uh, of the alliance nuclear policy and and how that uh, what, what kind of implications that does have I think at the moment uh, the decision makers have a sufficient knowledge of uh, of the nuclear policy and and what that means but certainly uh, there will be uh, more detailed discussions to be had both in Finland and in Sweden because both countries are as you said, are are big proponents of of arms control and so on. So uh, this this standpoint has to be then um, put together with the with the defense policy standpoint, and I'm sure that there will be a a, a good good consensus around it. But uh, but this is certainly uh, the detailed discussion is is in the future and uh, should be interesting.
1: And from a conventional standpoint, uh, you know, Finnish military forces have taken part in in bilateral and multilateral training exercises alongside uh, forces of NATO member states. But what else are we likely to see? Has there been any discussion about uh, a NATO military presence and what that would look like? You know, could we see something maybe along the lines of the enhanced forward presence uh, in the Baltics and and Poland or or maybe something on, on an entirely different model?
0: So, starting with um, with the exercises, as you said, Finland has already been participating in a number of uh, exercises. I think that might increase a little bit uh, with with the accession. Um, I think when it comes to to semi permanent presence, I think those discussions uh, are are yet ahead of us. Uh, it's going to be difficult to say, and that will also depend on on the situation and ha- and how it evolves. I think um, Finland could perhaps contribute to, to air policing uh, mission that the, that the alliance has. Um, I think there's there's room for closer cooperation on ISR. Um, and I think there, there might be other interesting avenues maybe also with regard to to, to integrated air and missile defense. but um, I think it's it's a bit early days as well. I think people just want to do the accession first and then think about these, these issues.
1: And if we turn to interoperability, uh, you know, where do things stand in terms of, uh, uh, of Finnish interoperability with NATO?
0: It's basically just uh, plugging in uh, the, the Finnish forces. I, they are all interoperable, uh, much more interoperable than, than many NATO countries' armed forces. So, so that shouldn't be an
1: issue. And is that because of deliberate efforts that have been made since the Partnership for Peace Agreement?
0: Exactly. Uh, a big part of the Finnish forces have been evaluated in, in the NATO processes, and, and that has been really a, a deliberate effort to, to build that interoperability.
1: And taking that a step further, I guess, is it, was that effort made maybe with the idea in mind that this day might come?
0: Um, that's another good question. Uh, so the Finnish policy has been what uh, has been called a NATO option, meaning that um, in the policy documents, uh, Finland has stated that it sort of reserves uh, the possibility to, to apply for NATO membership, which is, you know, in a way obvious, as long as the open door policy is is, is, is still in place. But, uh, but that was the policy. And to sort of make that policy more substantive, it was also stated that there should be no technical uh, issues uh, if Finland should decide to apply for NATO membership. So this that gave the green light to, to go for maximum technical interoperability and to some extent also political strategic interoperability at, at other levels. Uh, and that has enabled then um, the situation where we are now.
1: So Finland already does have um, maximum technical interoperability, as you put it. Uh, and and, you, and there aren't likely to be any major changes in terms of equipment, uh, in terms of maybe methods of organization or doctrine. Uh, are there any changes that you do foresee?
0: Um, I don't see any significant changes, but uh, but there has to be this kind of. Uh, change in the in the in the culture and in the mindset to some extent, because until now everything has been more or less national, meaning that uh, Finland has been really reluctant to tell anything about its uh, its planning system, about its uh, capability gaps, and and so on and so forth. So so that culture has to change for in order for Finland to be integrated in the in the joint planning processes and also joint capability development to to some extent, and and also this. Might have some um, implications to intelligence, so um, so in that sense, there there has to be a, a shift in the mindset. Um, but um, I really don't see any any significant changes across the spectrum. Otherwise,
1: when you say uh, a change in culture, do you mean at the, the sort of senior leadership and, and policy level, or or throughout the ranks? Uh,
0: I think it has more to do with uh, with what I said. You know, when it concerns um, Telling others about our national planning processes which are you know stamped uh, with the with the highest classification and uh, and then shifting a little bit the the mindset to 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 understand that it's possible to do joint capability development and and operate jointly but this has more to do with the with some of the some of the officer ranks and not uh, the the force as a whole
1: How large is the Finnish military?
0: Well, um, active duty, it's only, um, a little bit more than, than 10,000, I will say approximately. But of course the whole system is based on the, the conscription system and, and the large reserves. So it, when you count the reserves, it's, uh, it's 270,000 or thousand or so. So, uh, and if you count all the reserves that have been um, uh, given the, the military training, then that would be closer to a million, but that's that's another story.
1: I don't want to suggest that conscription might be eliminated or that Finland would transition to an exclusively volunteer force, but given the small size of the active duty component of, of Finland's military, uh, do you foresee NATO accession driving maybe an expansion of that active duty force?
0: Um. That's um, that's a good question. There has been um, some debate and and some studies made about the future of of the conscription system. So, uh, but at, it looks at this point that there would only be minor changes, if any, to to that system. Obviously, we need to, to see. We know whether there are some specific requirements uh, or specific specific areas that we should look a little bit deeper into, which would require uh, active duty uh, military, but uh, at this point, my understanding is that there are no major changes foreseen.
1: Kind of zooming back out, we mentioned some of the saber rattling coming out of Moscow uh, when stories first started circulating that Sweden and Finland were going to apply for NATO membership. Now that those governments have taken some concrete steps uh, toward that goal, do you know how that's been received in Russia?
0: Um, Starting with um, how it's been perceived at the, at the top levels, um, the Finnish president gave a call to, to President Putin. And um, of course, it's um, difficult to, to draw any, any, any big conclusions, but at least the, the tone that was used was sort of moderate, which is already a, a signal in itself. So that was maybe somewhat encouraging. And also today, uh, we we heard that um, there, there wouldn't be it wouldn't be a, a major um, change in in the situation from the Russian perspective, which is again an encouraging signal coming from the from the Kremlin. Now the hard part is that uh, we never know when to when to trust the signals coming from the Kremlin. And on the other hand, there have been also some. Uh, experts or, or so-called experts in the, in the Russian television that have been um, uh, making making much less moderate uh, comments about the situation and, and giving sort of threatening remarks.
1: I'm curious specifically about history um, because you know Sweden and Russia have have their own history and and uh, certainly going back a, a couple hundred years to when there were wars fought between the two. Uh, between the two powers, uh, Finland and Russia also has its own sort of unique history. I don't want to put you on the spot and, and you know, assume that you spend uh, all your waking hours watching Russian television, but given uh, the Russian state's sort of influence over control over really the Russian media landscape, do you know the extent to which that shared history or the, the history between Finland and Russia is factoring into um, kind of Russian messaging on this? Is it being treated as sort of a, a betrayal by, uh, by Russian uh, propaganda, really?
0: Hmm. So, you know, when I mentioned the bilateral relationship that Finland uh, tried to have with, with Russia... Uh, that was based on on certain understanding that uh, Russia would not be breaking uh, international norms uh, like like they have. So, in a sense, Finland also felt betrayed by by what uh, what Russia has done. Um, but um i I think it's first of all, important to, to try to understand that uh, there is a very, there is a Russian perception of uh, of what's happening and there's a there's a Western perception of what's happening doesn't mean that we need to to approve or agree with the, the Russian perception, but we, we got to understand that they, they will have their their own own perceptions um, and we got to try to, to, to manage uh, that carefully and I think the well Finland will join NATO, but uh, how Finland would would then um, Operates and, and how it would calibrate its policies is, is, is going to be a very very delicate um, situation. But I also also think that uh, the US has um, has done very well throughout the whole process in making sure that nobody gets the impression that it's the US um, pushing Finland and Sweden to join NATO or uh, you know uh, having having too of an, much of an active role in that. So I think the US has played this, this very well and makes it clear that it's it's really up to Finland and Sweden to decide what it is that they want to do. And Finland and Sweden feel that this is the way in which they could maximize their security in the, in the mid to long term. And I think that has been an important message also to send out.
1: One of the things that I think um, sometimes gets a little bit lost in discussions about NATO is that although NATO member states all agree to a, a particular set of common terms and principles, it is an alliance after all, um, but that what that membership looks like uh, uh, practically uh, varies pretty considerably from one state to another. I think Norway is a good example. When Norway uh, joined NATO, it, it declared that it wouldn't allow the stationing of foreign troops or nuclear weapons on, on Norwegian territory uh, really is a signal to the Soviet Union that Norway was taking this decision uh, as a... Uh, it was a, It was a sort of defensively oriented decision, and it wasn't meant to create kind of a jumping off point for a, for an invasion of the Soviet Union uh, from Norway. Given that, are there ways in which Finnish membership of NATO might look uh, sort of unique?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, each country brings their own own background, their own history and and culture uh, to to the to the international organizations. And I think also Finland needs to be Finland and and not some some other country uh, even when it joins NATO. But also, um, if we think about Finnish policy making in general, it's very consensual. It's uh, Finland is very much a team player. So uh, when it comes to NATO, I think uh, Finland would have sort of natural partnerships with other Nordic countries, for instance. Uh, but also it has a very good relationship with the U.S. So there could be these sort of shifting um, um, cooperative structures. But mostly Finland, and we could actually look at the, how Finland has been uh, uh, working in within the European Union. And it's really been this sort of pragmatic, constructive and um, very consensus-seeking uh, approach. So I think it's it's pretty um, clear that we could expect a, a similar approach from Finland also within NATO.
1: I don't want to give the wrong impression with this question, so I'm going to be careful in in how I word it. Uh, but it strikes me that if you take a long view of history, especially since the 1990s, since Finland joined the Partnership for Peace program, uh, that there was a distinct possibility that this day would come that that a day when Finland would formally uh, apply to join NATO. At the same time, uh, I suspect that if Russia had not invaded Ukraine in February, that we would probably not be having this discussion right now. Has that factored into conversations about NATO and NATO membership in Finland? Have those discussions been sort of premised on a recognition that this is a, a long-term decision Um you know, I don't think it's a, an off-the-cuff or an irresponsible one. That's what I don't want to convey that idea, but that it's a long-term decision uh, that comes as a response principally of a, a fairly short-term trigger.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's another great question. And, and I think this obviously has been uh, discussed in the, in the Finnish uh, debates uh, in the last months uh, because, like I said, it's really unprecedented the way that the public opinion has shifted so,, uh, right now there's a really clear majority in favor of of NATO accession. But uh, what if that number would change? What if the numbers would come down for whatever reason? So uh, Finland wanted to to wait a little bit longer to see you know whether that um, whether the change in public opinion would shift the other way uh, right away, but it's it's not shifting. It's been steadily growing. Currently, somewhere around 76% in favor of, of joining NATO. So it doesn't look like uh, it's going to going to go down. And then the other thing is to have this sort of solid uh, decision-making process, uh, which has meant that there has been public debate, there has been government uh, giving out reports for the parliament to debate, and the parliament is still currently debating the issue, but it's already clear that they will they will provide their support. And then also internationally engaging with, the, with all the relevant partners and as well as NATO structures to get a better understanding of uh, what's happening and, and how others are reacting to this, basically to anchor the decisions that Finland is going to take.
1: We talked earlier about the, about nuclear deterrence. We talked about the conventional component, uh, of, of, of this subject, but there's another aspect that I want to ask you about. Uh, and that is hybrid warfare. You're the head of international relations for an organization called the European center of excellence for countering hybrid threats. Uh, it's an interesting organization that does a really interesting work. I would, I would highly encourage listeners to, um, to look it up and, and, and check out some of the work that, uh, your organization is doing. Uh, but if we look at it from that perspective, how does joining NATO uh, perhaps bolster Finland's ability to counter uh, hybrid threats? And also, how does you know Finland's experience maybe feed into broader NATO efforts uh, uh, to counter these these types of threats?
0: So, um, if we take the Finnish example, it's based on this comprehensive security model. So, it's really about um, being able to mobilize and, and leverage the resources of the whole whole of government and the whole of society. And this has been the, the model for, for quite some time. Obviously, it needs to be up updated as as things change and the security environment changes and technology changes and so on. So that would, would be uh, still the starting point uh, in the future. And that is something that our center is actually doing, is uh, trying to build these approaches in all of our 32 participating states to help them leverage the the comprehensive uh, model uh, the whole of government and the whole of society also from that perspective that we cannot really distinguish between military and non-military threats because i mean including in the us there's sometimes talk about uh, you know the gray zone which excludes military means and and people say that hybrid threats are not military but uh, from our perspective that would be the the wrong way to go because it's first of all it's reductive you cannot really separate the the military domain from the other domains but also that if we would do that kind of division then that would just create another gap uh, for the adversaries to be exploited so really for us it's a sort of full full spec- spectrum uh, threat analysis and then trying to build those responses accordingly
1: well, to close out, I I want to kind of zoom out uh, and and I'll ask you a question, and, and I kind of want to look at this through the broadest possible aperture. How big a deal is this? We've talked about how you know Finnish forces are highly interoperable with NATO forces already. Finland has strong bilateral relationships with with key NATO members, including the United States, with um, NATO member states uh, that are that are Finland's neighbors. Um, has a strong multilateral existing relationship with NATO and has since since uh, joined the Partnership for Peace program um, almost 30 years ago. It's been an EU member uh, for for close to two decades. So, is is the significance of this? Um, you know, largely symbolic, given all of that kind of existing infrastructure already exists, or or is it is it something more? Does this represent sort of a sea change moment for Finland and its place uh, in in Europe and in the world?
0: So I think uh, there are a couple of ways of looking at it, and uh, from my personal perspective, which is more of the the policy perspective and a practitioner's perspective, it's not a huge change uh, as we've been. Discussing here, you know, there's there's this long term of trend, long trend of uh, closer defense cooperation and uh, really working together with NATO and and with partners. So in that sense, it's it's only the sort of last natural step, perhaps in in that process. But if you look at it from uh, from a different perspective and and the way the, the general audience is is looking at it, it's obviously symbolically a very big deal, um, and it's. Um, and that is that is reflected in in how people are are reacting to it, so there are really even emotional uh, displays, which is not something you see in Finland every day. And and mostly mostly to the positive. In this case, people are really sort of happy about the fact that Finland uh, would join NATO. Of course, uh, if if uh, all the thirty countries ratify uh, that accession, but um, but from that perspective, it has been uh, symbolically a big change. Then I think the final perspective is, of course, not just what happens in Finland and, and how Finland portrays it, but what would this imply for the European security architecture as a whole. And certainly it looks like um, if Finland and Sweden join NATO, it would give an added uh, impetus to the, to the organization and, and uh, you know, to, to, to give it some, some new credence and, and make it a really, really uh, relevant player also in the future.
1: Well, Erasmus I want to thank you again for uh, for joining me uh, on this episode of, of the podcast and and sharing your views uh, from Helsinki on the the um, the prospects of, of both Swedish and Finnish accession to NATO but especially the case of Finland uh, and kind of kind of offer a framework within which uh, we can kind of think about what comes next as we start uh, you know imagining a, a future of NATO that has uh, very likely two new members so thank you
0: well, thank you, John. It's been a pleasure.
1: Hey, thank you so much for listening to the MWI podcast. One last thing, wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or any other app, if you're enjoying it, please give it a rating or leave a review. It really does help us to reach new listeners. Thanks again.